Welcome to the DSEF. The Direct Selling Executives Forum was created to be a place where real direct selling executives and vendors in the space can come out and share solutions to challenges that face us all in the marketplace. Our guest today is going to be unpacking a topic and sharing their raw thoughts for you to learn from. All right, let's go meet our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our next in-person episode here of the Direct Selling Executives Forum coming from our studio here in Chicagoland. Uh, today, we're going to be unpacking frameworks for meaningful educational experiences. And so many direct selling companies today have education as part of their product mix. So not just physical products or services, uh, but are actually having education as a part of their product mix. And many of you have been asking questions about, well, what makes education valuable? How do you have valuable ex education? And, and even what are frameworks for that? And today, we wanted to unpack that. And what we've done is we've brought a client, actual practitioner, uh, to the actual session today. So on the panel today, we're going to have Mr. Jerry Chen. He is the head honcho at ECF Marketing, a bona fide ex-rocket scientist. No kidding. Uh, treats SEO like it is rocket science. Since 2006, he's been fine-tuning his search engine optimization strategies with the precision of a jet engine, mixing the secret sauce of SEO with old-school tactics. Jerry's whipped up direct sales organizations that have ranked in eight-figure sums in just a few years. His agency is like a Google whisperer, nabbing the number one spot for uber-competitive keywords for clients far and wide, from local heroes to global giants with annual sales ranging from a cozy $300,000 to a whopping $100 million. Despite having a team that could run the show, Jerry's still leading as the SEO strategist, keeping up with the latest trends as his daily ritual. All right. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for being here today. It's a total treat have you out. Thank you for coming all the way from warm Orange County, California to be here in Chicagoland. When it's, exactly right. Thanks for having uh, me. It's not as quite as warm here as it is in uh, California, but we're so grateful you came out today. So, so before jumping into this topic, and I'm so grateful you're speaking on it because this comes up often. You know, there's It's one thing to have education for your distributors or your ambassadors inside of direct selling for training. It's something totally different when the education yourself is the product that your retail customers are enjoying or your or your members are buying. But before jumping into the core topic, you actually were in direct sales beyond your, your time at Boeing and your time like <laughs> just as an engineer, developing <laughs> amazing stuff. Your story is so complex. You actually had a time where you were a rep in direct sales. You started, you, you know, you had this experience of becoming a rep. Walk us through that story. When How did you even hear about direct selling? And uh, what was your first experience of being a rep like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that's, I think, one of the most interesting part of my story is how did it all happen, mm -hmm. right? And then why it happened. So when I was in college, I, I studied mechanical engineering. I became an engineer, obviously. Yeah. I worked for three summers for the IBM Corporation, looking at manufacturing, computer parts, uh, computer hard drives. And for some reason, it was really boring to me even though I knew that that's what I was studying. And I think was, I was fascinated by the science, mm -hmm. but the practical application of it when we were out there doing the work, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Mm -hmm. And then after I graduated from school, you know, I started working for Boeing in aerospace. There were quite a few things that happened during that journey that really caused me to want to have a career change. One of the most memorable events that happened was when I started at Boeing two weeks after 
I began this amazing new career that everybody was envious of. Uh-huh. And I was excited about it for two weeks. And then one day I was called into a conference room to celebrate a 60th anniversary of a, a co-worker. Mm. And I thought it was his 60, 60 year, his 60 year birthday. I thought it was his birthday celebration. But then I walk into the room and I saw the guy and he looked really, really old. <laughs> and, and then it dawned on me that he already worked at the company for 60 years. And, and I was 26 or 27 at the time. And I look at the guy and I go, oh, my gosh, he spent more than twice my age at a company. And I, I had only been there for two weeks and I feel trapped. I couldn't breathe for a few moments. Like literally, I, I physically felt that I couldn't catch up with my breath. Hmm. And then I started thinking about the years ahead. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of this change in my mindset as to what I wanted to do mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And there were certain things, you know, mm-hmm. in the industry of aerospace where y- if you need security clearance to work on certain government or military projects, you're privy to some information that causes you to ask questions. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then there are also some projects where you're on a need-to-know basis and most of the time you don't need to know. Mm-hmm. There were very few defining moments in my life mm-hmm like the ones that I had to confront when I was working in aerospace. And when I realized that I wanted to do something different, I started immediately looking into what I could do. Um, I was watching some late night TV infomercial by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm. He was selling, I don't know what, I don't remember the name, but I remember Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yes. Right? That was the book, book that changed my life. a lot of people read. Love that book. But then he was selling some kind of, higher level package let's just mm-hmm. put it out i don't remember but he was talking about you could do this you could do that mm-hmm. whatever you do you know you need to think about what l- the lessons are in rich that poor that i mean that's the mm-hmm. the foundational principles that he instilled in all his products so i did that and i started thinking about all the different things that i could do so what led up to network marketing was this search for an opportunity mm-hmm. what were the opportunities out there so i started thinking about what I may want to do. So I look into franchises, mm-hmm. all different kinds, mm-hmm. uh, vending machines, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, May services, <laughs> restaurants. I, I look into a lot of them. I went to the info sessions. Mm-hmm. Very specifically, I went to a Subway franchise mm-hmm. info session. And I remember back, this is in 2004, I believe. Mm-hmm. The cheapest option for Subway was roughly fifty thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. I thought, oh, I could afford fifty thousand dollars to start a business, but that mm-hmm. wasn't the entire cost of the business. So that was just the upfront franchise fee, mm-hmm. and then you need to give a portion of your revenue to the corporation, and you still have your operating expenses, right? So I was, I had zero business experience. By that time, and I crunched the numbers, and it would have cost me if I were to hire a manager. If I don't want to go to mm-hmm. the middle of Kansas, because if you offer the lowest package, mm-hmm. they will select the location for you. You don't get ah, to choose; they'll not, just tell you where to go. Not going to be California. So, that's right. Yeah. So I thought, 
oh gosh, if、uh, I were to go there and I have to stand behind the counter and make sandwiches all day <coughs> just to save money、uh-huh. instead of hiring somebody,、uh-huh. it still would have cost me something like two hundred thousand dollars a year to operate that business.、Mm-hmm. So that was definitely not a viable option for me.、Mm-hmm. And then I started looking into vending machine, and I started hearing horror stories of people's candies melting and like. You know, destroying your inventory, that kind of stuff. So, so I I went through this process of searching for an opportunity for I I believe about three to four months, very intensively. This is while I was working full time,、mm-hmm. and then I I remember one day I was at a Toyota dealership in Southern California getting my car serviced, and this gentleman walked up to me having a conversation about Robert Kiyosaki,、ah. and I was like. What the heck? I was just watching the TV infomercial, <laughs> right? And so, you know, if you're in direct sales,、sure. you you knew kind of the rest of the story.、Sure. I was being prospected. Sure, I didn't know、yeah. what prospecting was. I didn't know who the gentleman was. Yeah, but he got great posture. He was real friendly.、Mm-hmm. We exchanged contact information, and he invited me to a house meeting. Got it, and that's how everything started. And that was the beginning of the magical journey. That was the beginning、yeah. of the magical journey, and、uh, the, the follow-up was quite torturous for him because I was an aerospace engineer, and、sure. it took a long time for him. <laughs> Every question, <laughs> I, I had seven pages worth of questions. No joke. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, they call it the green personality when we had the colors. Was always the analytical mind. That's、uh, right. The green. Yeah, that's yeah, right. The green. The analytical mind. Yeah, you're,、right. you're actually the least likely category to join a direct selling business、uh, and, at the end of the day. And,、yeah. and so I was told. Yeah, and and yet the success—it's been so incredible to see the success because you turn that into later skills and then SEO and building an agency and and it's it's you just this fantastic journey and so I I love how it's it's just come together of getting to meet you over the last few、uh, months and and weeks. It's it's just really cool to see that. Yeah, thank you, and I, I, I'm truly blessed to, to have the skills and the the mindset and the, the willingness to adapt and change and learn,、mm-hmm. because I also learned the personalities and the personality traits, and、mm-hmm. I understood my strengths and weaknesses, and I how I needed to become more of a chameleon,、mm-hmm. you know, in in traditional recruiting strategies where you need to be able to communicate with different personality types,、mm-hmm. and that really. Allowed me to also excel and flourish in digital marketing because、mm-hmm. most of the time people in digital marketing they lock behind their computer screen and thinking、yeah. that they can be a keyboard warrior and just make a lot of money. It's that's not true. Like if you're not、sure. able to communicate a message effectively to different personality types,、mm-hmm. your offer, your product, your service is not going to be able to convert. Exactly. Exactly. Well, for today, this is just perfect. So recently, you've been appointed as a, one of the practitioners from your work in the agency at the educational direct selling company BrightMarketer.org, and with that, and you've had this passion for creating education that gets real results for the members. And、yes. in our time together today, for the topic, many of the people who watch DSEF are direct selling executives at all types of different companies, and and they're always looking for frameworks they can follow or formulas they can keep in mind. When they're designing this, and so for for anyone who's putting together an educational product that's going to be a part of their company's offering to retail customers, are there any frameworks you've had in mind、um, that they could be following to be thinking about how to create something that produces real value、uh, for the members at the end of the day? Yes, absolutely. 
So I don't have specific names for these frameworks. Sure. Maybe maybe a couple of them. I think the overarching framework that you might have heard of is PDCA. Mm-hmm. Is plan, do, check, adjust. And so it's good to have some kind of plan. I think having a really basic plan is better than having no plan at all, mm-hmm. right? So you plan, you do it, mm-hmm. you check the results, and if it is not up to par of your own expectations, mm-hmm. then you make adjustments and you do it again, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the overarching framework that I apply to not just my own learning, but also how I teach. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I lay the foundational building blocks first so the learners can do the basic stuff mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Because the higher level, more advanced strategies are all based on the foundational building blocks. And I have a great fortune and super blessed to have a wife who is <laughs> a college professor. Yeah. And uh, she is one of the most popular professors in her school. Yeah. And she also learned from personal experience how to be a great teacher because she's never really a great student growing up, up until I think when she was in high school. And then in later years, <coughs> she became an astute student because she found her passion mm-hmm. in teaching. And so she gave me some really great pointers. And hopefully this will translate into some helpful tips for the listener, right? Sure. So I think in direct sales, we are spoiled mm-hmm. because mentorship comes with the business model. Mm-hmm. But people outside of the industry, more times than not, they had to pay for coaching. Mm-hmm. They had to pay for mentorship. They had to pay for all kinds of stuff, consulting. Mm-hmm. And so because we're spoiled, we sometimes take things for granted, mm. both the receiver and the giver. The giver sometimes, I feel, and just being super blunt, can be careless mm. in giving instructions. Not that not that they didn't want to give good instructions because they've never been trained to be a good instructor. Mm-hmm. So the tips that I got from my wife I thought was really helpful was that the job of the teacher mm-hmm. isn't to just transmit the information. It is to create and arouse curiosity in the student, keep them engaged and keep them interested. Mm-hmm. And so she said less is more most of the time, keeping things simple and concise. Your video clips, your training, your audio should be less than 30 minutes mm-hmm. per session. Mm-hmm. If you had to go longer, record a new session. Mm-hmm. So I took that to heart. And then also she said humor is really important. Keep it lighthearted, but not overdone it. Like you don't want to overdo mm-hmm. it to the point where you're like, watching a comedy sketch, right? Mm-hmm. So you still want them to be in the learning mode, but keep them interested enough to go to the next step. And the other tip that I got was that you can end a session with a cliffhanger. So they're interested to learn more or find out the answer to a cliffhanger type of question. And that's kind of how she keeps her student on, on their toes. It's like, okay, we're going to watch this movie or something. And then she'll like pause it at this like a critical point and go come back you know on Wednesday and we're going to watch the <laughs> the conclusion of that. I love so that. so I think these are all very important and uh, useful tips, right? So yeah. keep it short and sweet, less than 30 minutes. If you have to go mm-hmm. longer, 
uh, make it a new video or a new session. Mm-hmm. The most critical role the instructor or the teacher plays is to arouse a, a interest in learning mm-hmm. and a desire to learn in the students. Not your responsibility, but that is your number one goal. Want them to keep learning. You know what I love about what you're sharing, Jerry, and I think this is really important for just anyone listening to get is many, many times because of the world we live in, we're not teaching educational content for people to learn information as much as we are teaching them how to think or how to have relevance of what an ecosystem looks like so that they can adjust. So, you know, some people on this call have education around how to sell insurance. Some people watch this call have education on how to invest in real estate. Some of these people on the call have education on how to trade the markets. Some people on the call have education on everything, like yours is all, you know, uh, marketing education on how to be a freelancer or as a W-2 employee, how to grow your skills in SEO, pay-per-click, Facebook. What I love and what's so valuable about this PDCA piece you're talking about is if we can help someone move to the place where they can go out there and try things and then adjust and try things and adjust. That's what's most important because the world's changing always. It's just changing so fast that the real value of our education isn't saying like, oh, this is the ratio. The real value, because that changes over time, right? That the information does change over time, but it's the frameworks, the principles that if they just understood how those function, they would be able to go out into the real world and apply what you've taught them and then adjust as the world changes. The other note you just shared that I just think is great is this idea that your goal is to arouse curiosity about the subject because there's so much more that happens when you actually use your skills out there in the space. That's just totally perfect. And I couldn't agree more with the humor part. Yeah. So in addition to what could work well, and, and, and I love you. I know you're being really humble. Your, your, your wife's an incredible professor. She was, we, always, we were having dinner uh, last night. We were talking through like, oh, what were her opportunities? And I'm like, yeah, she got invited to be a professor at Harvard. So um, like, Jerry's being very humble here. His wife is this amazing woman. And here's Jerry running his agency and working with thousands of people that his wife at Harvard, it's, just, it's, it's an incredible gift uh, to have you sharing here today. And so, but with that, in addition to what works and some of these frameworks of keeping the information engaging and short enough and the right principles, what, what are some of the pitfalls you've seen, just the things that don't work, that we should all be aware of, of the, just the things that derail quality education experiences? I think one of the pitfalls that I see in today's environment is the overabundance of information. Mm-hmm. And the lack of clarity to dis- to make a distinction between quality education and low quality education. As an example, I teach... Like quantity of content versus quality of content. C- correct. That's what we're talking about. Absolutely. That's really good. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, in, in my course, at this current moment, I'm teaching search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. So when you type in something into a search engine, it could be Google, it could be... Amazon is a search mm-hmm. engine, essentially. Mm-hmm. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like whatever platform that you you use that has a search box is a search engine. Mm-hmm. You can find an unlimited amount of information to consume. And these days, you have ChatGPT. It'll even talk to you like a human and <laughs> say some silly things with its own political and, and agendas. I mean, that's sure. really why it is. Sure. How do you know what's true and what's not? And it's mm. so time-consuming to to do fact-checking. Mm-hmm. 
and and you become numb to it. And I think there's a high burnout rate of people who try to learn, who do so much research that they end up just giving up. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls, really the overabundance of information mm-hmm. and how easily accessible that information is. Yeah, I it, think that's one of the biggest problems. Yeah, because they can go to YouTube all day long and, and just click to the next video and click to the next video and click to the next video on any topic. And that's such a powerful point is don't confuse value with just quantity that's of right. time and education. That's not that's the opposite of what's true today. That's Be- right. Because if you are truly doing a good job teaching on a certain topic or a certain subject, it's, hey, I can get you X skill in less time than you trying to figure it out on YouTube and fact-checking your way through life. That's right. That's exactly it. And That's I good. think another point is because of this overabundance of information, mm-hmm. quantity over quality, the responsibility and the weight on the shoulders of the learner mm-hmm. or the purchaser of the information mm-hmm. is becoming heavier. Mm-hmm. Because they need to understand that they're investing into something that's going to be useful. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if you're somebody who's willing to invest into education, you're already ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Because free information comes at a cost. Free information comes at the cost of your time. You go to any platform that gives free information, you're the product. Mm-hmm. You're being marketed too. Your data is being used by advertisers to target you, to sell you something. And so if you're not paying a premium for your time, then you become the product. And how much time do you really have on your hands? Mm -hmm. That is the question you got to ask yourself. If you truly want to learn and excel in today's economy, paying for information, if nothing else, is going to buy your time back. Makes total sense. You know, I've seen this quantity versus quality argument in in real life. And some of the clients I've been blessed to work with over the years, I had a, a client in, in the educational space who up to about 130,000 student subscribers um, had about 20 teachers mm-hmm. when you would be in their, their academy to learn their skills. Later, they went to over 100 teachers. And the decision fatigue... Right, the, the just the, the amount of energy it took to know what journey to take as a, a member or student right, in their program was so great that people just didn't even know where to start. And so, so part of what you just shared is not only the content, but as you're designing your programs, you want to also walk through what does this journey feel like for a member of our program? Like, is, is this just so daunting that they don't know how to start or have we designed this journey in a way to where we can, at the end of the day, to what Jerry's saying, give them the result. Like if we understand that they're trading their money to get the least amount of time with us, but to get the result, then we really need on us, the the people who are running, you know, you as executives running these companies, it's up to you to, to really get honest about what that journey should feel like and look like. It just as you think of the user experience of someone opening a traditional product and the box and what it's like for them to, you know, take a nutritional product or, or if you have a service, you know, what it's like for them to turn on that service. Education is the same way is can that average customer actually go get the end result, not just the extraordinary one, but can the average one do it? That's right. Yeah. 
That's really, that's powerful, Jerry. Now, now there's some people listening today, Jerry, who are just overwhelmed. Uh, we get to this part in the podcast often because we know you're listening. We know you're listening and you're, you're on a flight or you're in the car headed to the office right now. And your team has already filled your plate for the next 24 months. Like there's literally no breath, no opportunities of gaps in your world. And so for those that are just completely overwhelmed, but still came in to listen today or watch here on the stream, what's the one thing you want them to take away from just this experience today? What would be that one thing you'd invite them to to either start doing or stop doing for the for the very overwhelmed executive that's that's checking out DSEF today. Sure. So if we are even asking the question of one thing, mm-hmm. I think the answer is obvious, which mm-hmm. is focus. Like what do you focus on, mm-hmm. right? If you're juggling so many plates, balls or whatever it is that you're doing, mm-hmm. Finding that singular focus is critical. And I remember when I first started learning digital marketing, you got to remember I was learning digital marketing when I was working full-time in aerospace while building a direct sales organization (laughs) close to full-time. I was working 45, roughly 45 hours, (laughs) you know, at my corporate job, which is pretty standard. I was spending about 30 hours in my direct sales business doing purely offline traditional i was driving through traffic and that's already 75 hours on top of that i had to learn digital marketing and then when i was learning digital marketing took a course that taught me everything under the sun about digital marketing so i was learning ppc youtube seo solo ads press releases email marketing and so on so i i wanted to like literally there were a few moments where I was like, should I just put myself to sleep and not wake up? <laughs> it was like crazy. I was, my mind was like overloaded with yeah. too much information. So how did I decide on the one thing, right? Mm-hmm. That was the question. Mm-hmm. I think to be able to reduce every down, everything down to making that one decision, I think it's important to take a step back and really evaluate yourself mm-hmm. and see where your strengths and weaknesses are and what you find yourself to perform the best mm-hmm. at. And that's what I did for a couple of days. And I decided that regardless what the trainer said in the training, because mm-hmm. they're doing the best to give you the information. But that's what I was referring back to. Like there are some trainers that are really good at disseminating the information, but how do they help you stay interested on something? So I had to go through the process of evaluating my own skill sets. And I realized that I work best when I was in my natural mode of being the analytical self Mm. and logical and all this. And SEO was the only choice Mm. because everything else requires a little bit more creativity. Mm. Like if you want to do ads or you want to do social media, you got to have that personality Mm -hmm. or looks right or if you want to do great at copy you had to hire a copywriter or know how to do click baiting or whatever but with yeah. seo even if i produce a terrible piece of content i can still get traffic i can Crazy. still rank I, yeah. I can still get to that end result and so i made that decision by looking at myself and evaluating myself first and i think that's how i could figure out the one thing. So I would encourage 
everybody who's listening, mm. if you're struggling mm -hmm. with juggling so many different things, you have to evaluate what do you do best and then go for that one thing, whatever that one thing is. I, I don't have a clear answer for yeah. you because I don't know everybody's specific circumstances, sure. but I think taking a step back and evaluating this, you know, your yourself and be introspective is going to serve you in a really big way. Well, Jerry, I love the way you answered that question. Many times people will, on, on the show pull out just one part from their talk, but what the information you gave is so much better. And there's a, there's book recommendations we do on the show all the time. And uh, one of the books I'd invite you to uh, check out from what Jerry just shared. If you are feeling that way, it's from Keller. So the founder of Keller Williams, uh, his book, the one thing uh, he, <laughs> he talks in there about how <laughs> I won't share the whole story, but he, he literally, uh, was just flying around his organization in chaos, right, at this point. And he was maxed out on everything. And his his team was maxed out. And he was maxed out. And he started to realize that he's not as important as he thought he was. And there was really only a few certain things that he was the best at. And there were many, many things he had kept on his plate that others in his organization were way better at than him. And he was in pausing, if you are feeling as overwhelmed as we set up that question, to know thyself and uh and get real about what is the what are the one what's the one thing that I do better than anybody else at organization and if you can get to 80% of your time there and and move off these other things you're going to be able to build something really special. Yeah, and I if I could offer one more tip. Yeah. which is I think as entrepreneurs and business owners, especially if you're executives, mm -hmm. you're constantly surrounded either by your team members or others in the industry. And you may find yourself comparing yourself mm -hmm. to other people in the same position in other companies. Mm -hmm. I would stay away from that because yeah. that is, I feel, the quickest way to your own detriment. Mm -hmm. They have a different set of circumstances. You don't know what they're going through, what they're dealing with, either professionally or at home. Mm -hmm. So you can't. You just don't do it. Yeah. You know, just evaluate your own circumstances and figure out the best solution for you and your team, I would stay focused in doing that. No one wins in the comparison game. People put on such a show today in social media, too, of what's really going on in their life. We say only God knows what's going on in that person's life. And so, oh, yeah, so never, yeah, never assume. You know, they could be going through all kinds of stuff. And so that's a really solid word. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for coming all the way out to Chicagoland to be with us. And we're so grateful uh, to have you uh, here today and sharing these thoughts here on the show. Those of you that were brand new to the Direct Selling Executives Forum, if you haven't yet joined the free LinkedIn community, go to directsellingexecutivesforum.com or go on LinkedIn, type in Direct Selling Executives Forum and apply. It's absolutely free for active direct selling executives. It's a, There's no selling. It's not part of a pipeline or of any kind of sales funnel. It's literally free information and case studies from folks who are all a part of the staff of different direct selling companies all around the world. It was a total treat to have you here on the show today. If you haven't yet already, you can subscribe on YouTube or Spotify as well. Have an amazing day. We'll talk with you soon. Bye for now. If you haven't yet joined the DSEF group on LinkedIn, go to directsellingexecutiveforum.com or go on LinkedIn and search for Direct Selling Executive Forum to apply. The group is free and is an invite-only community of direct selling executives by direct selling executives. Oh, 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 oh,